Thanks for tuning in to the teaching ministry of Mike Hilson, Senior Pastor of New Life Wesleyan Church of La Plata, Maryland. It's a church that plants churches and of Where You Are Church, an online church helping people reconnect with God through practical content and a growing community. Hey, we're glad that you're taking time to listen to this week's message. We hope this teaching helps you love God and love people better every single day. And if you enjoy what you hear today, consider sharing it with someone else. Now, enjoy today's teaching. We're moving through the life of Peter, and we're moving very quickly, leaving a lot out. Uh, but we're moving through the life of Peter. Now, if you'll remember, we went from Transfiguration two weeks ago to the sacrifice in the Garden of Gethsemane last week. Now, this week we're going to move not very far forward from the Garden of Gethsemane. When they leave the garden, Jesus is arrested by the temple guards. He is taken then to the high priest, and the high priest is questioning him. He gets shifted around a little bit until they have permission. The, the priest has permission to uh, crucify Jesus. This takes a little bit of time. During that time, people are gathered outside of the high priest's house, and they are they're watching to see what happens. Uh, as far as we know, all the other disciples have like disappeared. They've dispersed and uh, they, they're hiding. They've run away. They don't really know what to do. And, and you know, we could be hard on them about that, but I don't tend to be hard on them about that because what I think all of them expected was the same thing Peter was trying to do in the Garden of Gethsemane. When they come after Jesus, we'll defend him, we'll fight to the death, or we'll win the fight because God's with us. It'll be miraculous. They're thinking in those terms. And then and Jesus rebukes Peter for fighting for him. And Jesus obviously wants to be arrested. He's surrendering to this. And they don't really know what to do. I mean, so I think it's wrong to be too hard on them for running away. They have no idea what to do next because Jesus is about to be killed and they know that. But they also know that if they try to defend him, he's going to rebuke them just like he did He did Peter. And so there's this, there's this confusion. Well, Peter uh, shows up outside of the high priest's house, and he's now in the crowd. He's as close as he can get to where Jesus is. He's trying to keep up with what's going on. He wants to see what's going to happen. He wants to know what's going on with Jesus. He's trying to find things out. So he's just, he's just there. We're in Luke chapter 22. And as he's, as he's hanging out there, it says here, then seizing him, I'm in Luke 22, verse 54, they led him away and took him into the house of the high priest. That's where we are. Peter followed at a distance. And when some there had, had kindled a fire in the middle of the courtyard and had sat down together, Peter sat down with them. You see what's going on. They're all just hanging out. So, you know, in, in our modern times, it would be outside the office of the of the high priest or the official in charge. And maybe somebody is cold. So somebody starts a fire in some barrel or a little fire pit or something like that. And they're all gathered around sitting. So Peter sat down with them. A servant girl saw him seated there in the in the firelight. She looked closely at him and said, this man was with him. This man was with Jesus. But Peter denied it. Woman, I don't know him, he said. Now, you got to remember that Jesus has told Peter that he will deny him, that Peter will deny Jesus three times. So this is the first 
in that series of denials that's about to take place. Again, I don't want to be too terribly hard on Peter here because he doesn't know what to do. He's tried to do what he promised, which is I'll die for you. And then Jesus, after he says, I'll die for you, says, no, you're actually going to deny me. Well, now he's just trying to not get kicked out of the space or get arrested. He's trying to stay as close to Jesus as he can so he can see what's going on. He's trying to just, he's just trying to be there. And in that moment, this girl recognizes him and says, hey, you're one of those guys that used to follow him. And Jesus denied it, denies it. Listen, here's one thing you got to know about protecting your witness, about not wasting your witness to the world around you, is that people will notice if you are a follower of Jesus. Everybody listen to me. If you are a follower of Jesus and you actually try to live it out, people are going to notice that. If you call the name of Jesus and call yourself a Christian, people will take note of that. They are going to now know you as someone who is following, who is proclaiming, who is preaching, who is trying to put forth the word of God, the presence of God, trying to introduce people to Jesus. They're going to know you for that. You're going to be known for your relationship with Jesus. And that's a good thing. But you got to remember that. You got to remember that you're going to be known for this. People will notice. So you've got to, in that moment, watch, live unashamed. I, I, I go through this a lot in, in, in my life because I'll be traveling or I'll be somewhere where people don't know me and people will sit, we'll get to know each other. I want to introduce them to Jesus. Now, I know in our culture, people are often very uncomfortable around pastors. So then they'll ask me in the conversation, what do you do for a living? And I, you know, I've got to answer and I've got to answer honestly. I'll say I'm a pastor. Whole conversation changes. There's been multiple times in my life where, where I, once I say I'm a pastor, conversation slowly and politely ends and then they walk away. Uh, there's all kinds of t times that happens. And sometimes I might say, you know, well, I, I work, I, I, I work on a team that does, uh, you know, I don't know, I'll, I'll come up with something else. I lead people, I teach people, something like that. And, and it's a true statement, but it's not, I don't say pastor, because if I pay, say pastor, the, the conversation is going to end. Now, in my mind, I'm not ashamed of being a pastor. I'm proud of it. I think I have the best job in the world. Um, I'm also not ashamed of the gospel. I'm just trying to keep the conversation going. Is that possible here? I don't know, but you've got to understand, you've got to realize, you've got to be prepared for the fact that people are going to notice you were with Jesus. And then when they ask you, you've got to live unashamed. You can't be ashamed of him. Is Peter ashamed of Jesus here? I don't know if he's ashamed so much or if he's just trying to not get kicked out of the crowd or arrested and taken somewhere else so he can't keep up with what's going on. I don't really know what Peter's trying. I don't know what his motivation is, but I'm going to tell you that an awful lot of Christians actually are ashamed. They don't want to say they're Christian because they'll all of a sudden be labeled as not as not smart, unintelligent, less developed, less 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 enlightened. They we're viewed that way these days, and you've got to be careful about that. We must call the name of Christ because people are going to notice if we follow Him, and when they notice, we've got to live unashamed. A little later, verse verse 58 says, and it's still Luke 2, 22, a little later someone else saw him and said, you're also one of them. Man, I'm not, Peter replied. About an hour later, another asserted, certainly this fellow was with him for he is a Galilean. Peter replied, man, I don't know what you are talking about. Just as he was speaking, the rooster crowed. That's what Jesus says. You'll deny me three times before the rooster crows. Just as he was speaking, the rooster crowed. Somehow he could see Jesus. And it says, the Lord turned and looked straight at Peter. 
Then Peter remembered the word the Lord had spoken to him. Before the rooster crows today, you will disown me three times. And he went outside and wept bitterly. People will notice, so we've got to not be ashamed. We've got to live unashamed. People will ask. I know there's a flip side to this. Sometimes I'll say I'm a pastor. I had one lady, I said I'm a pastor, and she immediately she immediately, I did not know at the moment that she was Jewish. I told her I was a Christian pastor. She immediately began to talk to me about why the church didn't stand up for the Jews in World War II. Okay, this is the 2000s. We're a little removed from that. I'm not sure why I have to answer for that. But immediately she took me there. So people will ask. They're going to ask because they're curious. They're going to ask because they want to trap you. They're going to ask for. They're going to ask because they want to expose you. There are all kinds of reasons they're going to ask, but they will ask. You must be ready to respond. You must be ready to respond to the lady who, who in an airport confronts me because she was Jewish. Why did you, why did the Christian church allow that? I said, I really can't speak to that, but I can tell you that the, that the, the, the evangelical church today is one of the greatest defenders of the nation of Israel and of Jewish people uh, on the planet today. And that's a true statement, you know? So I was able to have a response because I thought about it. Here's the issue with be ready to respond. Think through it. Think through why do you believe? If you've never done this, you need to do this. Why do you believe in God? Why do you believe Jesus saved you? Why do you believe that Jesus washed your sins away? Why do you follow him? Why do you do this? Why do you go to church? Answer those questions for yourself. You need to wrestle through them. You say, oh, no, I should never question my faith. No, you should. Because in questioning your faith, your faith becomes deeper and stronger and more, more worked out, more, more, more settled in your mind and in your heart. And all of a sudden, when somebody asks you a question, you know the answer to it because you've already wrestled with it. If you haven't wrestled with it, somebody's going to ask you a question one day and you're going to go, and all of a sudden, you're going to be questioning. And you don't want to be questioning on the spot. Do it ahead of time so that you are prepared with an answer. I'm not suggesting that you need to be able to quote Bible, you know, scripture and verse, chapter and verse throughout the Bible, have the whole thing memorized so you take them immediately to a, I'm not suggesting that. I'm suggesting you can explain to them why you believe, why you believe this changed your life, why you believe this made a difference in your life. You've got to have an answer for those things because once people realize, and they will notice that you're a Christian, and when they realize you're not ashamed of being a Christian, they're going to ask you, why do you believe this? Why are you like this? Be ready with an answer. Because if you're not, you're going to end up where Peter is and you're going to walk outside and realize how much you just messed that up. And it's going to leave you discouraged. It's going to leave you depressed. It's going to leave you weeping bitterly outside. I've had moments like that too, where I wasn't prepared. And all of a sudden I had to walk away. And the first thing in my prayer life when I walked away from a conversation like that was, Lord, I am so sorry. Forgive me. I was not ready for that. And I, 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 to the best of my ability, I won't let that happen again. You've got to be ready with a response. Think through it. Y'all, how do I say this without sounding offensive? Do a whole lot more thinking than our culture around us tends to do because our culture around us doesn't tend to think very much. Do some real thinking. For, you know, turn off the TikTok and think. Turn off the TV and think. Put your phone down and think. Think through things. Work through how you're going to answer questions. Work through why you believe what you believe. Work through your relationship with God. Think, pray, be prepared. People will notice, live unashamed. People will ask, be ready to respond. And people will persecute you for your faith. We're now going to jump 
we're going to jump to Acts chapter 5. By the time we get to Acts chapter 5, Jesus is crucified. Jesus is risen. The day of Pentecost has come, so the Holy Spirit has indwelled the believers. And we're now, we're now in chapter 5, Acts chapter 5, and we're verse 27. Peter is clearly clearly the leader of the church in Jerusalem. He's the one who has spoken up. He's the one who teaches. And the, it says here, it says, it says here in chapter 5, verse 27, the apostles were brought in and made to appear before the Sanhedrin to be questioned by the high priest. Now, the reason they're going to the Sanhedrin is the Sanhedrin, the the the, the Pharisees were angry because he's they're arguing that Jesus was telling the truth and they um they they killed him. Okay. The Sadducees are angry for that reason and because they say he rose from the dead because the Sadducees don't believe in the resurrection of the dead. And so the whole Sanhedrin, which is a gathering of all the Jewish leaders, Pharisees, Sadducees, teachers of the law, scribes, all those, the Sanhedrin calls him in. They're all mad at him for one, one reason or another. All of the disciples, they're upset with them. And they're asking them, we gave you strict orders not to teach in this name. He said, yet you have, I love this sentence, you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching and are determined to make us guilty of this man's blood. I would love for somebody to say to me, you have filled this whole area with your teaching about Jesus. What a compliment. I would love to hear somebody accuse me of that. Peter and the other apostles replied, we must, listen to their reply, we must obey God rather than human beings. The God of our ancestors raised Jesus from the dead whom you killed by hanging him on a cross. All of this is just the truth. God exalted him to his own right hand as prince and savior that he might bring Israel to repentance and forgive their sins. We are witnesses of these things. And so is the Holy Spirit whom God has given to those who obey him. People will persecute you. But in the power of the Holy Spirit and the power of what God has given you, in God's grace, in God's strength, tell the truth and be willing to stand for what is true and what is right. You've got to be willing to stand. Don't stand for what you don't look. Everybody listen. Don't stand and argue for your opinion. Stand and argue for what is right. Notice there's no opinion here. We must obey God rather than human beings. Absolute true statement. The God of our ancestors raised Jesus from the dead. Absolutely true statement. Whom you killed by hanging him on the cross. Absolute true statement. Those are all true statements. Okay? He, uh, accusing them? No. I'm just pointing out what actually happened. This is the way it happened. And they know that's how it happened. They know that he's speaking truth. They know that the disciples are doing this. And they instead, they say, they say you've got to stop it. And they say, nope, we can't. Not going to do it. Can't stop. Why? Because we have to obey God, not you. Uh, years ago, I, I I was holding an office in 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 our denomination, and and I knew I prayed and I knew I was to resign from that office. Uh, the 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 leader over me, my district superintendent, said, "I need you to keep this office." So I I knew God had told me to leave the office. The district superintendent said, "You need to keep the office." I listened to the district superintendent. I lost the reelection for the office. It was crushing to me. It was crushing to me personally. Not a big deal now, thirty years removed, but it was a crushing to me personally at the moment. And the DS came to me immediately after the vote. He looked at me. He said, "Mike, I'm sorry. I shouldn't have done that to you." And I looked at him, and here was my response. And I'm I'm in my early twenties, but here was my response. I looked at him and I said, "No, you don't need to apologize. You were doing your job." My job was to listen to the Holy Spirit, even if you disagreed with him. And I've now learned that.
And I learned that. I, I, I have to listen to the Holy Spirit even if people in authority over me say, no, you have to keep doing this. If the Holy Spirit told me to quit, I got to quit. If the Holy Spirit told me not to quit, I can't quit. I got to listen to God rather than man. Even when the man, in this case, the men that are being spoken to are evil, they're wrong, they're battling against church. Sometimes you're listening to people who aren't. They're just not hearing the Holy Spirit the way you are. And somebody with good intentions can send you to a bad decision. You don't want to let that happen. Follow the Holy Spirit. People will persecute their evil ones. People will persecute. Sometimes they think they're doing what's best for God. The Sanhedrin thought they were following God. So, so people will persecute, whether intentionally or not. But when they do, you've got to stand on what God told you to. Truth, not opinion. Truth, not just I prefer. Truth, not preference. You've got to follow God's purpose in your life. And you've got to stand for that. Listen. In the end, you are witnesses to what God has done in your life. You are witnesses to what God has done in the lives of people around you. And as those witnesses, you must understand these simple things. People are going to notice. Okay, when they notice, that's a good thing. That means you've been a witness. Okay, people are going to, they're, they're going to accuse you of filling Jerusalem with your teaching. That's a compliment. Okay, they're going to notice. And when they notice you're following God, that's a compliment. Don't be ashamed of it. Okay, they're going to ask what's going on. Why do you believe this? Have an answer. Think through it. Take time. Unpack it. Process it. Study as much as you can. Do whatever you can. Understand why you believe what you believe. And finally, they, you will get persecuted. Sometimes you get persecuted by people that hate God and hate the church, and that's why they're coming at you. Sometimes you get persecuted by people that think they're defending God and defending the church. I, I've had churches close to our church here that, honestly, I was the topic of their sermon on multiple weeks at the church because they thought I was doing something or I was leading in a way that wasn't biblical or wasn't spiritual. And the truth is, I, if, if any human being is ever the topic of your sermon, your sermon there's not much there. You're not talking about much. you got to make God the topic of the sermon because he's what matters. No, it's not opinion. It's truth. Who's talking truth? Truth is, you're called to be a witness, and you need to be ready for that. Unashamed, prepared, and willing to stand no matter what it costs you. Pray with me. Father God, I just pray right now that you would speak to us, and Holy Spirit, you would empower us. That, Lord, you would shine through the, us to the point that people do see, they do notice, they recognize that we've been with you. I pray, Lord, that when they do that, we would not be ashamed of you, but we would be thrilled that people noticed you in our hearts and in our spirits. Lord, I pray that you would give us the right answers. Sometimes we don't have the words, so Holy Spirit, we lean on you for words which you've told us we can do. And, Lord, when it gets tough, when people come against us, well-meaning, or not well-meaning, when people come against us, give us, Lord, the ability, the strength, the courage to stand. Let us be willing to take whatever beating has to come our way so that we can stand alongside and have the privilege of suffering with you in this kingdom, in this calling, and in this purpose you've given us. Make us witnesses to who you are and what you can do, and we'll give you praise. In your name we pray. Amen. <clears throat> All right. Don't waste your witness. So the question I have is, how can we cultivate courage to speak up, especially in face of somebody who's clearly upset or we know might persecute us? How do we cultivate courage? Well, okay. Uh, if you'll allow me, I'd like mm -hmm. to. I'd like to alter the question a bit because courage is not. I want everybody needs courage, mm -hmm. but she needs courage with tact. 
because those two don't always go together. Uh, example, I can see that. Example, Robert, when Robert was playing football. Mm-hmm. Robert used to say, well, I got to get mad to play football, Dad. I got to get mad. I'm like, no, don't get mad. Hmm. He said, well, no, I got to be mad to play. No, you don't need to be mad. Mad will cause you to make bad choices. You got to be intense. You got to be focused. But if you're mad, you'll make bad choices. Intense and focused does the right thing. Okay, what I think we need to do in our spiritual lives in order to be ready for these moments is, is we've got to be intense and focused. We've got to be intense about our relationship with God and focused on, on how we can respond and how the world is responding to the Christ they see in us. Because the assumption here is they, they, they looked at these men who were uneducated, but they recognized that they had been with Jesus. That's the assumption here, is the recognition that you've been with Jesus and somehow that makes you different and mm. people notice. When they notice, then you need the courage to be, to be focused and the intensity to be willing to step forward. Uh, but it, but if, it's just, if it's just courage, I'm afraid that people, <clears throat> I don't mean to get in trouble, I'm afraid that people become jerks. They just say things. So they need to be more careful, more focused, more, more spirit-filled. The, the spirit has to control the tongue, or the tongue will make a mess of what you're trying to do. Mm, that's strong. How do we handle rejection or negative reactions when we do share our witness? Uh, this is, again, I'm going to give you another unsatisfying answer to this. It's that old phrase, the worst thing they can say is no. You know, and if they say no, okay, they said no, move on. You know, you've got to learn... I, maybe in the younger generations right now, I mean, I never try to put overarching statement. I really, back up. I try to resist the urge to put overarching statements on generations. But it does seem that the younger generations around us right now are struggling with the idea of rejection. If, they, if they're ever told no for anything, they they want to just stop and quit. Can't do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have to be. You have to be willing to say the worst I can hear is no. And if I hear no, I only heard it this time. Mm-hmm. If I hear no a hundred times, I only need it to be a yes once. Yeah, it's like every country sent. You know, not every country, but a lot of country, countries send their kids to uh, serve in the military for two years, mandatory mm-hmm. service. Maybe we should have this new generation have a couple years of mandatory sales training. I actually think, I, okay. You know, they have Look, to sell something door to door. Started. I'm not sure a couple of years of mandatory military service for a back into our country wouldn't be a good idea. <laughs> uh, because a little discipline, a little structure, a little willingness to be told you're wrong, a little willingness to be told what to do would probably do us well as a culture. But, um, but this is a different conversation. That's a very different place <laughs> so. to go. But for a lot of us, it's family. It's mm-hmm. easy, like you said, you know, knows not the wor- is the worst thing that they can say. But when it comes to family, it might it might be worse than the worst thing, right? They might ah, say more yeah. than no. You know, you might yeah. there might be some co- sort of consequence. What advice might you give there? Well, you've got to be willing to. I mean, no matter what, no no matter what it is you're doing, you've got to be ready for somebody to not like what you're doing to the point that they're going to come against you in some harsh kind of way, mm-hmm. um, and you you know. Are you going to quit when someone comes at you that way, yeah. when somebody persecutes you that way? Or do you really believe in this to the point that you're going to keep going? Mm-hmm. You know, why, you, you, uh, go back to last week. You, you need to know why you believe what you believe. Then that you will give you the courage to stand in persecution when somebody comes against you. Mm-hmm. Uh, and your witness, you don't lose your witness just because somebody told you to, right. to, to shut up. You know? Yeah. 
so there's a part where um, that comes to mind. You, you mentioned it in the last point about the Holy Spirit kind of providing mm-hmm. words. How do we rely on Him in real time when we're doing this? <laughs> this is that old when that, this is that old phrase. When the Holy Spirit moves, you'll know it. Uh, when you relying on Him in real time. Mm comes out of relying on him when I don't need it. it it's, it's, it's the muscle memory. Um, it's the muscle memory of relying on God when I don't need him to give me answers, but I still am relying on him to give me answers mm-hmm. so that in a moment I need the answers because I, kn- I would not normally know how to respond. He gives us that. I can tell you that as a pastor, mm-hmm. and this is... This is it's unique, but I think it plays out in everybody's life in some form. Right. And as a pastor, I can at times walk on stage, and uh, I've done my, I've done my study, I've done my work, right? I've got my outline, I got all my stuff together. But I have walked on stage so many times, and thought to myself, Lord, you're going to have to take this one because I'm not exactly sure how this is going to go. And um, and then the Holy Spirit speaks, and I have literally been sitting on stage before. And, and, and it's almost like you go out of body Mm. and I'm hearing myself say something and thinking to myself, Oh, that's good. You know, (laughs) I've also had times when I say something, I hear myself and say, Oh, that's bad. But, you know, but then when I, when that happens and I say, Oh, that's good. I I immediately know the Holy Spirit has control that moment. Mm -hmm. And now how did that happen? I did my study in the, in the, in the mundane I stayed. I stayed consistent. I did what I was supposed to do when I didn't need it. Mm-hmm. So that when I needed it, it was there. I often say to pastors, "You can never. The Holy Spirit can't pull open a file you never put in there. So often, you just need to read things. You just need yeah. to put things in your mind, and they're not at the moment. They seem random and unhelpful. Mm-hmm. But then the Holy Spirit knows that down here, down the road somewhere, you're going to need that, what seems like an obscure point. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, because you put the file in there, you don't even know where it is anymore. The Holy Spirit does. Because all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit pulls that file, boom. Oh, yeah, I read this thing, and all of a sudden, this thing comes out. Happens all the time. Mm-hmm. I can barely recall what I did yesterday, but right. sometimes the Lord will just bring something to mind. But you remember a full theological argument you uh, had in college. <laughs> you yeah, know? 100%. So, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I like the phrase, um, if you stay ready, you don't have to get ready. Right. Kind of reminds me of right. what you just said. It's all muscle memory. Yeah. You know, it's a, it, this is a mental muscle, but it's all muscle memory. Yeah. It's the same thing. You're practicing for mm-hmm. some future eventuality, yes. so you're ready. Very yes. good. Well, can't wait to hear more. Thank you again for joining us. We hope that this resource helped you in your journey towards loving God and loving people better every single day. If you enjoyed this, please take a second, share it with your friends. And last, we wanted to give a special thanks to all of you who give generously to this ministry. It's because of you all that this is possible. And if you'd like to learn more about how to partner with us financially, go ahead and click give for more information. We appreciate anything that you can do to help. So thanks again for being a member of our online family. We love serving Jesus with you.